0: Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mindenhall and Pete C. Carroll, and every Thursday a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So, this is what you have to do. Just follow The Ringer MMA Show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's The Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type, to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ringer.com backslash RG.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
2: Chat, I am Justin Barrier, and joining me, still recovering from Michael Rubin's white party, Big Wise. What's up, buddy?
3: I'm good, man. Um, went straight from Cabo to the Hamptons. Uh, and yeah, I was hobnobbing with industry elite. You know, um, me and Beyonce did the double kiss, double cheek um, when we <laughs> greeted each other. It was just an incredible, incredible, legendary night, Justin.
2: Yeah, we were talking just before we started recording here, and we were saying how it's so ridiculous how you see all of these people, free agents, that we're all getting in a, la- in a lather over just talking about where are they going, what's going on. It's literally James Harden just like hanging out with Embiid, who we're all just like, su- like suspicious that they're gonna break up and all. This. It's just like two different worlds. Carefree,
3: man. carefree. Yeah. Their yeah. carefree um, Twitter is like, oh, my God, what's going on? Um, yeah, I think that should give people perspective about transaction season um, and its primacy in our industry. Like, at the end of the day, people got hoop somewhere. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I think that's the perspective we should end up taking. For, like, I would say 98% of the transactions that happen in free agency.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll be in summer league in the next couple of days. So we'll be going to the league's second biggest white party very soon. (laughs) So. uh, Shouts to Warren Legary. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Uh, as you can tell, Rob is not here with us. Still on the mend. We wish him well. He might not be with us uh, for Summer League, which is disappointing because we don't get a lot of opportunities to see each other in person. But Waz and I will be there holding it down. Uh, I assume we will be having two different experiences. But I am excited to live <laughs> vicariously if, if only through you.
3: Listen, I tell everybody the same thing. The best NBA holiday is Summer League. It's not the finals, it's not NBA All-Star weekend. It's NBA Summer League. And the reason why Justin is cuz at the finals one, people like you and I are like actually would like we're working for real. And anybody that you're talking to on the team side or if you happen to have an agent homie is stressed the hell out, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um All-Star weekend is just, I don't know, it's just a, a parade of corporate you know, events or whatever, like some weird watch company or some tequila brand that's trying to be the next Casamigos, whatever. Summer League, what I love about it is everybody is in a great mood. Hope springs eternal. Everybody just signed a great new deal. Everybody just had the free agent acquisition that's going to vault their team to the next level. Everybody thinks they're going to be the shit next season. And that, attitude permeates the entire event and that's why i like summer league so much and of course Vegas.
2: (laughs) right just just a little bit of it uh yeah you see a bunch of nba players just on the craps table daniel orton you know playing blackjack whatever goes on there but um
3: dude one time i was walking through i think it was the cosmo and sean marks was walking the gm of the nets with like Three of what I assume is homies from Australia. And these Boston fans started heckling him. And him and his boys started giving it back to the dudes in the freaking, on the casino floor in the Cosmo. I was like, this shit does not happen anywhere else. Um, It's awesome.
2: Yeah. So we'll bring you the sights of sounds of, uh, of Summer League and also uh, we'll be recording right after Wemby's debut or, or supposed debut on Friday. So uh, we'll be back then. But first, we have to break down some of the free agency action and kind of deal with some of the ripple effects. Surprisingly, things kind of wrapped up pretty quickly over the weekend. I think it was only two days and pretty much everything was done except for some of these restricted free agents uh, that are going on. But we want to we want to take a look at the next questions as a result of all of those signings, uh, starting with our friend Damian Lillard, who finally issued a trade request. But unfortunately, it seems like the the remnants of, of that situation are going to play out pretty slowly over the next couple of weeks. Um, here's my question to you, Waz. This ends with Damon in Miami, right? Because you're seeing a lot of obfuscation happening at the moment. Oh, could Philly jump in? Could Brooklyn jump in? They might not send him to where he wants to go, but he only wants to go to Miami. But it seems like a lot of to do to ultimately get to him in, with the heat, no?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's it. It's going to be the heat. At first... We were hearing this Brooklyn stuff, Brooklyn noise. And now what are we hearing about Brooklyn? They're going to be part of the facilitation of the trade rather than a Dame destination. Same thing with the Spurs, where it was like, oh, Dane might want to play with Victor Wiminyama for some reason, even though he just left a rebuild. And a small market and, like, (laughs) ridiculous. Uh, And then now you're hearing, no, they might be um, one of the suitors that helps facilitate it because they would actually like to get um, a guy like Tyler Hero in their building, right? As these teams slowly but surely fall by the wayside as far as Dame suitors, the, the inevitable becomes true. Um, and I think it's just on Portland to figure out. All right, how do we get the, as much as we can from this? And I think people at home, because uh, these days, obviously, I'm I'm not as on Twitter as I used to be. Um, and I do You're watch a Blue it, Sky Guy. My, no, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I watch, you know, some some of the ESPN stuff, and I get I get the chatter that's going on in in different corners. Um, And you're hearing this stuff about, oh, Portland, they're not just going to lay down or blah, blah, blah. Take it from me, guys, that's just face-saving nonsense on the Portland side. They're going to make the deal with Miami. And the reason why they have to is because as much as people want to say, oh, Dame has all these years left on his deal. You cannot facilitate a trade for a guy who's owed that much money if you don't have buy in it's stupid to do so, to just be like, we'll just bring him in here anyway. And if he doesn't like it, then who gives a shit? We got his, we got his rights. It doesn't make like that. You're, you're missing out on the whole point of having this caliber of player on your team if there is no buy-in on his part. And so once Dames and and his representatives put it out there that it's like, look, Miami is the place then Miami is going to be the place. And we can get into all the stuff that led us to this point. Because I think there's another sort of narrative that you're hearing out there where it's just like, why does Portland just have to trade? No, they don't have to do anything realistically. But if you're doing this rebuild, then what's the point of keeping him? He's going to make you way better than you clearly want to be right now. Because if you wanted to be better than you are right now, you would have gotten rid of those chips, those younger pieces to get better right now. Because let's face it, proven veterans, all NBA kind of players are what it would have taken to get this thing to the next level. They've They've shown that they don't really have an interest in that. Yeah. And so you should get rid of Dame, But, you yeah, know, again, I think, we, we can get into all of that.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think the interesting thing that's kind of rippling from this is you have a camp suggesting that... Portland should send Dame to Miami because the because of his loyalty over the, the past couple of years. That like that is the right thing to do. And now you could look at it from a cold hard business perspective and say, like, well, if you don't bring him to where he wants to, will affect you down the line with future free agents. I would say that Portland isn't really a destination anyway, so that shouldn't be an issue. But then you have the whole like, well, he's been a good soldier. He there's been a lot of love on both ends, yada yada, which I'll be honest, I don't buy at all. And if anything, Dame had his choice already and he signed an extension literally a year ago for gobs of money. This isn't like his second contract or his third contract. He has now signed three different extensions for contracts with this team. I, I feel like the Blazers are within their right to do whatever they want with them at this point.
3: Okay, so let's just take that very management-friendly um, <laughs> view of the situation. What people need to realize is that if Dame didn't sign that extension, he'd be eligible to be a free agent next summer. Yep. I.e., he would have maximum leverage over the Trailblazers as to where they should send him. And guess what? Any any team that he would have trade, been traded to... Automatically would have signed him to that extension. Nobody's trading for him and being like, we're gonna be lame duck with Dame Lillard, the superstar we just brought in. The reason why he signed said extension is because the new regime, and we could get into the myriads of fuck ups from the Old Shea regime that came in before. He stunk up the joint. He stunk up the joint. We could get into that. It's it's more mixed, I would say, but no, go ahead. The bottom line is. Dame signed that extension after they said privately and publicly they were going to try to build a contender around Dame. And then they've gone out and done what, Justin? The exact opposite. And I don't think they're even wrong for taking that tack. I think they wanted to um, sort of do the Dame thing and, and try to get some real players in there. But the way things started working, you know, they luck into this number three pick. Um, after, you know, Dame mysteriously sat at the end of mm. the season. Right. I wonder why that was. Well, see, um
2: This is my point, though. Like, it, it almost seems like it's incumbent on him to see the writing on the wall and not just take management's Man- word for it that they're going to just like all of a sudden figure out this magical contender around him when they haven't in years past. And if you looked at the situation going into last season and especially at the trade deadline, like what are the pathways to this? Dame's not a dumb guy. He could see the writing on the wall. And so can't he see that there isn't a clear route to figuring this like magical contender that he's been on or like searching for for so long?
3: But you got to think to yourself, Justin, at the same time, like this is a new regime. If you want to make it work in Portland, and they're telling you, again, it's a clean slate. It's not the old O'Shea regime. That guy got fired <laughs> for a reason, right? So the new guys come in and you want to give Cronin the benefit of the doubt that it's going to happen and it just hasn't. And again, here's another thing that people need to understand. Of course, the Cronin and them understand why they want, they they wanted to do this sort of thread-the-needle, two-track thing with Dame, because he makes their, their freaking team a viable business. It's a premium product in that city because Dame is there. These are real hard dollars we're talking about, dollars and cents that Dame is earning for the freaking franchise. When people try to say, oh, he signed for all this, quote-unquote, gobs of money, hello, he's earned it. For the franchise. Like, yeah. again, we, we could talk about, again, the CBA dictates that the players, which in a given year is about 360, 400 guys in the league, share 51% of the revenue. And then you have guys like, say, I don't know, James Dolan inherited the team. And he's sharing that pie with who? That that 49%, right? So when people try to act like he, he like, you know, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. No, he's getting his just due for what he's done for the team. Like, they sell out every single damn game because it is due. And that's why they didn't want to move him immediately. Because they're not a viable product as far as selling this stuff to fans and season tickets and all those kinds of things. And that stuff matters. And so I'm yeah. not saying Portland has been a bad actor in this. I think they, they probably thought, oh, maybe we'll see where it goes and we could probably swing this thing. And then it just didn't happen that way. And now these guys are parting ways.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think on both sides, I, I, I feel fine about it. I just, I, I don't like the painting of Dame as this like innocent victim who didn't know what he was getting into when he signed this extension. Like, yes, if you want the money, then you lose a little bit of leverage on the back end. And maybe you go to Philly as opposed to Miami, God forbid. Just and so up, like, Justin,
3: if he didn't sign, if he agreement. didn't sign that deal, if mm-hmm. he didn't sign that deal and he forced his way to a trade, um, and also, let's let's be real, um, he didn't have to sign it at the point that he did. He could have signed it later, like around, say, the trade deadline. <laughs> okay. Could have signed that same extension. And then he goes out, Justin, and has the best year of his career. He was going to get that money. He wanted mm-hmm. to stay in Portland. Like, people are painting it as if this isn't Bradley Beal. This is the problem. People do this one-to-one. We're just like, quote unquote, superstar, asked for a trade. This ain't Brad Beal, bro. Brad Beal got overpaid by the Wizards. He wasn't worth that money to anybody else, okay? He had to be on the Wizards to get that crazy max extension. A lot of logical actors would have been like, Brad Beal, we're 35 wins with you. We can be 25 wins without you and move on with our lives. A lot of sure. teams would have taken that tech. This is not Dame, that's not the situation with Dame. Whoever he would have went to would have given him the extension. That's that's what folks gotta understand. And this isn't like, oh, Dame Dame. It's just like, guys, like this is the way the business works, right? Yeah. I do think <laughs> you so know, that like, like look at the deals that go out and get signed.
2: Dame makes more on the extension because he did it with Portland, the team that he's Hold been on. with before. No, and Justin, gets- that's
3: not true. He would have kept his bird rights if he demanded a trade without the extension. He would have got the exact same money if he leveraged the non-extension to move him, to get himself so moved he, again.
2: So if he's just going to get the same extension, then like, why even sign it? Because I guess is my point. He
3: wanted to see how things would play out in Portland. Like I, I think know. you seem to think that, you seem to think that Dame never wanted to be in Portland for real. No, no, that's and, not true sure at all.
2: I just think that if you if you accept the money, it's, it's literally that that's what the money is for.
3: You just think he's stupid for even for for extending his time with Portland because you think Portland is incompetent.
2: No, I th- I think he should do whatever he wants to, but I, I don't want to. F- I'm not going to feel bad for him now because he knew what he was getting into when he signed the extra extension.
3: No, I don't like, feel bad for him because he's leaving. Finally, I'm happy for him.
2: <laughs> sure, but but if he ends up like in a non Miami situation, like th- that that was part of the deal. I wouldn't
3: feel bad about that either. I yeah. no, no. I'm 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 happy that he's that he's getting out of there. But again, people need to like when people think that things have been fantastic in Portland, um, and to be completely transparent, Cronin didn't do this. This was under Neil Olshake. The Lamar Kitch Aldridge situation, completely and utterly mismanaged. Um, he had some sense that Dame was some super that like was trying to usurp him. Yada yada yada. Of course, Neil O'Shea never managed that relationship. Um, never got these guys in a room together so that Dame could be like, "Bro, I'm just here to hoop." Blah blah blah. He ends up leaving in free agency. Um, 2016 free agency. They lose Batum, they lose Wes Matthews, they lose um, LaMarcus Aldridge, Robin Lopez. These are all legitimate NBA players. They bring in some scrubs. The 2017 draft, right? Um, they did a good deal with, with, with Denver to bring in Nurkic. Um, they got off of Plumlee. They got a first-round pick in the process. They ended up with three first-round picks. They ended up trading two of them to move up to get Zach freaking Collins. Um, The second, (laughs) white big, (laughs) this guy, just drafted in the freaking lottery. Meanwhile, the type of guys that you needed around Dame Lillard were all over that draft. A draft in which they had three freaking picks. Bam Adebayo, John Collins, Kyle Kuzma, OG Ananobi, Donovan Mitchell. All of these guys. In a draft that these guys had three picks, they get none of them. Okay? The CJ McCollum situation held on to him way too freaking long when everybody knew that wasn't gonna work. This is, again, this isn't like um, Monday morning quarterbacking, Justin. You remember, everybody was saying this, that the Damon CJ thing wasn't gonna work, but Old Shea was like, I drafted CJ, he's great, extend him. Keep them. Never swung yeah. the fences for a big-time player. And it just, you know, like this, these things actually happened. <laughs>
2: you yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I think, I don't disagree with you. I, I definitely don't think they made the type of team around him that was on the level of some of these other teams. I thought, I mean, Collins had his moments... Although he got hurt to the point where he had to just leave and go somewhere else. I agree with you like there you could look back on the draft record and say, oh, they should have done this, should have done that. I don't know if the CJ like the beautiful like CJ trade that was gonna bring Dame the appropriate running mate was ever there. And so I think there could be a little bit of uh, retrospect or like like trying to manufacture the perfect situation in hindsight where I don't necessarily know what it is. I think part of it was also the problem that Dame was great. And the Blazers were good, but not great, and thus, like, there's only so much you could do in that situation. So you should argue maybe that like Dame probably should have asked out sooner, and thus both of the the parties could have gotten what they wanted. But uh, I agree with you. But yeah, like I, I don't necessarily think that like this was the best situation for
3: Dame, and the writing has been on the wall I, for a while because of I that. think the argument against Dame is that being a good soldier for 11 years. Is somehow worse than doing it for seven? Like it's like if you don't if you don't just die with the ship, <laughs> you're an asshole. Like that's the that's that's literally the the counter argument against Dame is that he didn't die on the sh- with the ship. That's it. It's not like yo um being committed to the organization and the community for a decade um and, and some change like. That's just, like, that doesn't matter now. You understand what I'm saying? Because you weren't as highly cynical as you could have been earlier. It's almost like you have to do these two extremes. You have to be some completely cynical, savvy operator, which people are also um, repulsed by. Or you need to just bury your head in the sand a la KG... And wait till you're completely damn cooked, damn near, to finally mercifully be like, get me the hell up out of this damn hellhole. Okay. Yeah. Um I, like I, I personally don't understand think that, that.
2: Yeah, I personally think Dame should do whatever he wants. And if he wants to go somewhere else now, that's up to him. If you no, wanted to I'm stay not longer talking than about some of these you, ones.
3: I'm talking about some yeah, of yeah. the counter arguments that are out there. Sure, in the media sure. specifically. Okay.
2: Well, we do find ourselves now on the precipice of a damn trade. And even though we do think he's going to go to Miami, I do want to kind of talk through some of the other contenders in the mix here because typically when a guy says he wants to go somewhere, he ends up getting there, right? But you do see certain situations like Paul George in Oklahoma City, for instance, is a prime example of like, sometimes teams are willing to roll the dice and see what happens. And the one team you're you're kind of like watching out there is Philly. And you keep hearing about Tyrese Maxey. And we've had this conversation, I feel like three times or something, where it's like, how good is Tyrese Maxey actually? Because if you trust like what is being whispered and what Daryl Morey and Philly wants out there, he's basically Wilt Chamberlain in his prime at this point, right? But clearly that's not the case. But like, is he the best asset they can get of the of the teams that are kind of in the mix for Dame? Is he like... He's better than Hero, I think, but like, how much better than Hero at this point? Like, do you have a feel for like where you are on
3: Maxi? Like, is he an All Star um, eventually? Even, mm, I mean, right? No, he's not an All Star, and on the fun Max, as my man Brian Winhurst likes to call it, I don't know that that's a great value. You know, um, I think he could probably get to. That level, the fun max level, and make it justifiable. But I don't think he's some incredible get either. Um, he was on the Sixers last year, like we, you know, like he was, he's a good player, don't get it twisted. I think he's he can even get you know better and even savvier in the pick and roll and stuff like that. But for his size and the defensive challenges that he poses. I don't think, I don't know why people are pretending like this guy is going to swing the odds of any team by just showing up on there. He's on the Sixers right now. Nobody thinks there's some great shakes for having him. So that's why I don't understand the Maxi talk. I'm not saying he's a completely inconsequential player that, you know, you could just sort of poo-poo his existence. I'm not saying that, but the idea that he is... This is Swing a Dame deal. Like, I mean, come on. Let's be real. And it's specifically for Portland, who, like, it's the Simons, Shaden Sharp, Scoot, Triumvirate. What, what, what are we doing with, like, what? what are we doing, guys? What yeah. are we doing with this? Portland
2: is destined to just have a small backcourt in perpetuity. It's like, it's more generational than like a family with diabetes at this point where it's just like, no matter what they at do, they're going to end is up with sharp two small is guards. like
3: six, five, six, six, you know what I'm saying? At least he's a legitimate wing size. Uh, Simons is, is kind of, he's not as short as Dane, but he's not, he's not as tall as Shaden Sharp. He's like, you know, he's like a tweener in that way. But, yeah, I, I I don't understand why Maxi is some huge, like, oh, this is going to be great when we get Maxi in there in Portland. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, the
2: the difference between Maxi and Hero isn't as great as I think people are, are making it seem. And th- I think Hero has been so diminished because now at this point, people are acting like he's just a bum. But I think he's probably... See went he went to the
3: finals without him.
2: <laughs> I, I know, and, and that looks bad, but I think people forget that like this guy at the very least is a 20 points per game shooter who could be valuable in the right situation. I think there's a reason that Brooklyn would like to just acquire him for nothing just to see what he can be. And so, I think there's there's less of a difference between those two, but I am curious. I, I want to go through the blue chip assets that a lot of these teams are offering for Dame because this is really what it's going to come down to the Derby if there is indeed a Derby. Um, so you have the Sixers seat in Brooklyn, the three teams that are most often uh, mentioned in this race, and so I have down for the Sixers Maxi, I have he have Hero, I, or I guess if you want, you could have their unprojected picks. They don't have many because if some are encumbered, but. Um, and you have Brooklyn who essentially has the Suns picks. Which of those three if you're Portland, are you like saying that's the one I want? Probably <sighs> It's tough.
3: Of the three main guys or the, the the of the three main teams, probably the Suns future picks for sure because they're so pot committed right now and KD is is pretty old so to me those are the the best chances of cashing in on something really sweet and delicious um so yeah to me that that would be the the, the best one um for me but I, I you know again i don't think any of these packages are really that tantalizing to be honest yeah
2: I, I actually am more confused from Brooklyn side of thing of why they would want Dame in the first place. Obviously Dame's awesome. And like, he could make them more relevant next season in a way that they probably wouldn't trying to roll back. Like the Michael Bridges takes 30 shots a game sort of offense. But like, I don't know what Dame plus bridges and cam Johnson and then whatever else you could put together really gets you. Like where actually that's a good question for you. Like, where are you on Dame in Brooklyn?
3: Does that make like any dent in the East? I mean, if they if they can keep the wing depth, sure. Um, I think they would need some kind of secondary playmaking of some sort, right? Like if you if you get like a big man who's able to facilitate at the elbows, or you know, if 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 Mikel Bridges could continue in the path of. On ball domination that he showed at the end of the season, then sure. But I think yeah, they're definitely interesting in that. You know these these are the kind of rangy wings who also shoot that Dame Little has. I repeat, never played with in his entire life. It's never happened, right? Um, I still you're sleeping still on Al
2: Farukaminu the- and, uh, oh boy, and uh, Maurice Harkless. <laughs>
3: Shout to Mo Harkless, Queens guy. Uh, you know, fan of his. But let, let's be serious, okay? Yeah. Um, again, like I, I I would love to see how they rounded out that roster. But again, they don't. And and Brooklyn doesn't have the fortune that the Suns did of being like, oh, okay, we we have this championship sort of contender vibe to our team now. We can go out and get these nice you know, cheaper veteran type of guys to fill out the roster because they'll be willing to come here and take less because their role is going to be on a team that's doing, you know, that's trying to achieve something significant. And so I don't know if Brooklyn could could round out the roster. But again, like, if you're Brooklyn, why am I getting off of my future stuff to chase this damn thing, specifically after what happened with Kyrie and and KD. It's just like, do something different, Brooklyn. Try try something different after the last four years, man. (laughs)
2: Right. And I, I do think, like you said, th- this is kind of a Portland-esque situation for Dame where it's like it's almost Portland heavy where you have guys who are good, but not necessarily great, but they are better than probably what you played for and what, definitely what you were playing with last season. Um, but that brings us to the other like dark horse contenders, which I think is where this really gets interesting, because if you're throwing in a team like the Timberwolves, now you're you're saying, well, maybe it's Carl Anthony Towns. And if you're Boston, for instance, not only do you have unprotected picks, but let's say the Jalen Brown situation, which has not yet been resolved, curiously. Uh, he hasn't signed his Supermax extension. Like maybe those fall apart and all of a sudden Boston's in the mix. So here, here are the list of the, like the dark horse assets. And I want to know what your favorites are from this list. So the Wolves have Towns, Boston has Jalen Brown, the Knicks have Jalen Brunson. Okay. And the Jazz have all the unprotected picks in the world from the Cavs and the Wolves. Are any of those teams now interesting you if you're Portland?
3: Oh, I mean, I think I like Towns if I'm Portland for the fact that it's not going to actually interfere with my rebuild. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't think Towns is gonna lift the team in such a way that they just start winning an in, inordinate amount of games. I truly don't believe that, but I think having Scoop play around with what Towns, being able to leverage Towns' shooting ability, I think would be incredible. Uh, so I like that. Jalen Brown, I think I find that to be again like yo positionally he's a wing but you go out and you super you you have to supermax him immediately and uh, and be, again he is not of the level of Dame Lillard as a player but you start running into the same Dame-ish problems right but again the same thing with Towns like he's already on a supermax. and like I I don't that's what I that's what I don't understand about this shit it's like Do you want to win or not? And then, but that's why teams opt for these future assets because they want to stay on this consistent path of building via young guys. Bringing in the type of star level, all-star kind of guys disrupts that, that path. And so with Towns and Jalen Brown, I I don't, I don't see how that works. Jalen Brunson, I don't see how, you would have to include him in the Dame deal and, like, the dude who was literally there there when he was born in the fucking hospital is going <laughs> to ship him out immediately after how great he's played for the Knicks. He's become you're talking about Leon Rose, Knicky. right? Yes. <laughs> like, he's just going to jettison this dude. Like, as, as heartless as the business is, that's not how those CAA guys um, operate. They kind of operate in this, you know, La Familia type of... And when you're in the family, you're in. Like, I don't see them doing that. Um, But yeah, and the Jazz, yeah, their stuff, the, the Jazz makes the most sense because again, they can offer these future unprotected picks from various teams and that's what Portland should want theoretically for getting Dame up out of here.
2: It just, I think, speaks to what a no-win situation a, a team is in trying to jettison their superstar because I agree with you. I think the unprotected picks probably make the most sense because you don't get in the way of whatever young building blocks you have now drafted, which has forced Dame out of the team. Right. So yeah, that makes sense for them. But I also think like a lot of these unprotected picks are kind of funny money as we talked about in the past where it's like, do these unprotected picks actually turn into something? sometimes, You'll get lucky. You'll get a guy like Jalen Brown from a Nets trade because the Nets were just so disastrous. You just happen to luck into a couple number three, number one sort of picks. But I don't see that happening for the Cavs or the Wolves anytime soon as bad as the Wolves trade was. And so you're like, oh, well, they should take the best player. But then we're like, oh, well, Towns probably makes them too good to be terrible in order to draft well and probably puts them in a similar game situation. So like. What? Where do we end up here? And it's just like, I understand where you you maybe keep Dame too long because this is a bad situation to be in.
3: So I'll say this for as bad as it is for teams. It's better than what it was when LeBron and Bosh and these guys are gut-punching their teams or how motherfuckers described it back then as gut-punches who left, quote-unquote, for nothing. Now teams get shit. For their guys who leave, I think that's that's a win for the team. like unless you sure. want to say guys shouldn't be allowed to leave, <laughs> you know, if guys are going to be allowed to leave, this is the best scenario for Portland that they're actually going to get some level of value for Dame instead of him playing out the str- again, playing out the string this year and just leaving in free agency next summer. you know, like point. this is a better outcome for them. So much so, remember, remember, nobody's gonna be writing a Comic Sans letter after they get a bunch of future first-round picks for Dame Lillard. Okay, sure. um, people who are older than twelve years old listening to this will will understand that reference.
2: Yes, it will be a a very uh, flowery, aerial, fonted, just goodbye letter thanking Dame for all of his years. No, no Comic Sans here. Um, but it does bring us to the other side of this is, which is the players who want to be traded every six months. And that's ultimately where our friend James Harden finds himself. Um, this is question number three. If you're tracking <laughs> the first two questions took a while, but this is number three. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about the James Harden situation. I, I think I could guess where you stand on it, but I, I do want to hear it. Like, were you surprised when our, when our friend James opted back in and it is now like putting his fate in the hands of, of one Daryl Morey?
3: Yeah, um, yes and no, because I was absolutely shocked. I remember I had um my man Derek Bodner on on the podcast, and I remember him saying, they're not going to max out James Harden last summer. Before free agency and all of that, I was like, man, it's Maury. Oh, I feel like they're, they pretty much got gun to their head right now. And he was like, bro, I got it on good authority. They're not maxing this dude out. And they didn't do it. Right, and then of course, how it got spun was James was was being, you know, he was being team first, allowing them to go grab PJ and this and that, and team friendly deal, and you know, it's gonna kick the can down the road. But then, and I was like, okay, I guess they're just gonna pay this guy the next summer. But then, Justin, on Christmas Eve, <laughs> the previous Christmas Eve, we get this Houston stuff which we know is coming out of the Harden camp, because why? Who would it benefit for it to be out there that Houston is a potential shoot- suitor for James Harden, thereby um, raising the price that it might cost to keep him? Obviously, that's coming out of Harden's camp because it's mm. to his benefit, right, to have more suitors, a.k.a. more leverage. So I'm just like, why does James Harden need to put this out if he's going to get paid? You know? But then you know you watch them in the playoffs, and he stinks up the joint. But it's like, what's there, there's no better alternative to this. So he, I felt like they they kind of had him. He kind of had them over a barrel. But salute to Daryl and them for putting their foot down and being like, Nah, fam, we're not paying you like a super duper plus star. No, we're not. And no. Harden had a temper tantrum, and he opted into his deal. But to me, this is just speaks to Harden doesn't actually have a market, for real. If somebody wanted to pay him, you know, it, it, maybe there was a Fred Van Vliet deal out there for him somewhere. It wasn't. Um, and I think he's got, he doesn't have the humility to just be like, yo, sign me for three years, one hundo, and let's keep it pushing. You know, I have, give me a player's option at the end of the three years. And I'll keep, I don't think he had the humility for that. Um, and so this is where we're at.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty bad sign when the team that you're hoping to use potentially as leverage or even as some sort of like beautiful homecoming <laughs> where you didn't get what you want outside of Houston, you, you could go back and do that. What you did before is basically like we would rather Fred Van Vliet. And I love Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. I, 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 it's He's a totally a fine team, culture signing. But yeah, James Harden has been on another level in this league for a very long time. And it just seems like he is simultaneously at like a Westbrook situation where he sees himself at a certain value in a certain station, but the rest of the league does not. And and is in this, also in this weird spot where he's way better than Russell Westbrook is in the regular season to the point where he was like a fringe all-star triple double guy, even playing a more diminished pass first role in, in Philly. But then in, in the postseason, he's a guy you can't rely on. You'd probably rather rely on D'Anthony Melton at that point. And so he's just like one of the more confusing careers I can ever remember. And then you toss on top of this, the fact that he's going to be playing potentially for the fourth team in three years and might not even stay there because apparently he can't sign an extension with his next team because he only has two years of, uh, of non-bird rights stacked up. And so what's the move for him? Does he go back to Philly? Do you like like the fit in with the Clippers, if they could pull something off?
3: So look, I, I in the past, I've tried to defend James Harden and his game, um, but have you <laughs> after the? Yeah, no, I have because because it got on my nerves when when NBA Twitter dorks would be like, "Oh, James Harden's unwatchable because he forces people to follow him." I'm just like, bro, that's the game. Like, it's it's an efficient shot. He's being good at he's being good at winning. He's 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 been a winner. That's the thing. Like, he's yo, he was propping up not very talented Rockets teams and getting them close to or over 50 wins year after year after year, man. Like he has been a very consequential player in this league. However, when you hear the murmurs about his workout habits or routines or just the lack of seriousness about keeping his body at tip top shape. um, Of course, the way he utterly quit on Houston quit on the quit on the nets, um, and now obviously he's probably threatening to do the same to Philly. I'm just like, why do you want that in your building? i I, I don't see like now a lo- like if you're a team like say Charlotte or something, where you got a lot of low upside, you know? Like what are you? What are you playing for? Realistically, if they was like, "Yo, we want to bring James Harden in, it ups our talent level, um, and it makes us more interesting." All right, cool. If you're a team that has serious, legitimate aspirations, why are you bringing James Harden into your building?
2: So you don't I, I, like it for the Clippers
3: while he still thinks he's the shit.
2: Yeah. So you don't like it for the Clippers, even if it was like. Norm Powell, some of the, the the guys that they just have for depth. You don't like it Come as on, him being Come the on, guy man. next to Quiet and Paul George.
3: Okay. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm like, trying to sell you on this, about, all right? We're talking about a place in in the Clipperland that doesn't. Let's face it; they're not known for having a very strong culture. Kawhi Leonard is a lot of things. He is nobody's culture setter. He is nobody's team leader. He's not taking the mantle. He's coming. He's going to do excellent work. Whenever he works, he is not the fulcrum, the focal point of the team. Paul George, another guy whose game I've loved forever. Ever since I watched him duel prime LeBron James in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I always had an affinity for Paul George. He's nobody's culture setter. He's not going to be telling people what to do and getting people in line. You're going to bring James Harden into that? good luck
2: well in a way <laughs> he fits their culture because they have no culture you know fair
3: <laughs> okay that's fair
2: <laughs> it's the absence he won't of be culture and... anything yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> right in, in that regard yeah no I, I i don't know if it's not the clippers who's left then like maybe let's say dame gets traded somewhere else maybe miami gets desperate and it's just like well we'll take the quick fix uh upgrade Harden at the very least is on an expiring contract. So, you know, he'll be motivated in order to try to at least earn a next contract. But I'm looking around the league. Like there aren't clear options. I think it speaks to the depth of talent at point guard around the league. And also like where James Harden is at at this point, where it's just like, not every team to the point where like very few teams actually
3: need him. Yeah. I think that's why I think cooler heads are going to prevail and he's just going to end up back in Philly.
2: See, and that might be the worst, Possible scenario because then you're just rolling back last year, waiting for him to flame out in the postseason yet again. You know, and like maybe the odds are better this time around. You give him another opportunity, he'll be good in the right games as opposed to in this postseason where he was good in the right games, but also awful in the wrong games. But I don't know, man. It's tough. I
3: think uh, you know, I think if you want to spin this in a in a positive light, they should have beat Boston, you know. Sure. They should have been – they were right there in the conference finals. It's not like they got whooped in that second-round series, right? So if you want to look at this in a more positive light, you could be like, look, man, we were – one or two plays from the Eastern Conference Finals, we would have loved our matchup against Miami, you know, and the next thing you know, we're in the finals. Look, I don't actually believe that. I think Miami would have beat these guys, um, too. Uh, but you can tell yourself that if you want to view things in a more positive light. Uh, and I think, honestly, that's what I think they should do. Um, Daryl, like James Harden, in a lot of ways, made this guy. Uh, And so, you know, he he, like your credibility is very tied to what James Harden did with you out in Houston. Rod it out. Let cooler heads prevail, you know, and be like, yo, James, man, like we we just can't we just couldn't pay you 200 something million dollars to be the person that you were in the playoffs last year. That don't make no damn sense because you're only going to get worse than that. Right. You know, well, this is just reasonable stuff.
2: I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm sure we'll be hearing about it every day for the next two months because that's how long Daryl is going to string this out. So strap in, folks.
0: (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like Hickory Barbecue and Cheesy Baja crisp lettuce, and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken, and buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included, limited time only at participated Sonic Drive-Ins.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
0: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: I, I do want to get your take on the rest of free agency, uh, though. Sure. Um a lot of action. I don't know how much of it really impacts the broader title race. We'll get into that. But like of these teams, like what were, what was like the least favorite thing that you saw? We'll do least and, and most favorite. Like which team now is most confusing to you as a result of everything that happened over the past couple of days.
3: Um, confusing. I wouldn't say, but, and I understand why they did it, but, the Sabonis deal, I just, I just, I'm not a
2: fan of that. I am like bringing I, back Sabonis or using their cap space that back. they opened it's, up it's in it's order
3: just to like, do it's, yeah. Yeah, it's just why, and, and like and just watching what he did. Uh, like, I get. They have been in such a more situation for so long. I, I understand the enthusiasm for finally having something dope to happen to your squad. Like I get that enthusiasm, but the Sabonis thing is a head-scratcher. Um, Vucevic, I hear people talking about, oh, Vuce is now to the point where he's underrated. <laughs> not here. <laughs> <laughs> he is not underrated, y'all. He is not a great player. He's not, like, he doesn't do, he doesn't affect winning in a meaningful way at all, dude. Um, just what he brings to the table is, like, some nice scoring ability, but it's, he's not a dominant scorer. He's, like, a cool scorer, right? And so Vooch and what they're doing in Chicago, I'm just like, man, you know, I'm not crazy about that. And I think the Rockets thing, a lot of people are just like, you bring in Fred Van Vliet to be an adult and like culture and you want to have the right guys around your team, which Fred Van Vliet, one of my favorite players in the league, his story to get to this deal, it's incredible. I I, I, I truly think his story is one that every Hooper in the world should know personally, right? Because it's just such a cool story that he's gotten himself to this point. Um, it, it it's incredible, and so yeah, I'm like, yeah, Fred Van Vliet to me, he he applies to any team's needs. Um, just what he does on the court, his his ability to sort of play on ball or off ball, and he'll fight the hell out of people on screens. He can even guard up sometimes because he's so damn strong, and you know, like high motor, high intensity. Like he is everything for every team. So even in a young rebuilding squad, I'm like, oh yeah, bring Fred Van Vliet in. And as much as I thought, I told people Dylan Brooks was going to get paid. Um, mm. Nobody wanted to believe me. I'm like, this guy's the second team All NBA defense. Like, he, he's literally one of the five best defensive players at his position, at a premium defensive position. He's the one you got to put up against Braun and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and all. Like, it's him, right? Uh, but goddamn, $80 million <laughs> to do so. And the thing about it, too, is like, I it, i don't think $20 million a year is unfair for a starter level wing. Right? I don't think it's unfair. I just think, like, some of the stuff that got out of hand in Memphis was that he was there so, so early on the ground floor that the young guys... The, the more important guys didn't feel like they had the standing to rein him in. And so Houston is so young, like, who's reigning this guy in? Maybe it is Ime Udoka. Maybe he is that big of a hard ass, and he's going to MF him to death and get that guy in line. Maybe that's the thing, but that's the one where I was just like, I thought this guy was going to get paid, but Sheesh. <sighs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I liked him as an underrated free agent who you could potentially steal around the mid-level, right? Like maybe whatever like shenanigans over the postseason just diminished his value to the point where people didn't see the good in Brooks. That like, yeah, like he didn't shoot too well, but he's still, like you mentioned, one of the best defenders at his position. This this was not a bargain price. And so not only did he get 20 million a year but to get for four years. So now you're potentially encumbering yeah. like your future when guys like Jalen green and, and Smith and whomever need to get extended. And so that's going to be pretty difficult. I, I don't know what they were thinking there. I guess in, in in the best case scenario, these guys won't overlap with a lot of the other guys. They're more complementary to a green and a Smith and potentially Eamon Thompson. But I don't know. It's, it just seemed like they were trying to buy class and it, and it cost them a lot of money to do so. Um, I would put Struess in the same scenario where it's like, I really like Struess. I think like he could be good for a lot of different teams. Four for 63. It's a ton of money. And as we've talked about before with the Cavs, like they need to fill that that three and D role. And so now they find themselves overreaching a little bit, which is like, okay, we'll see how it works. But on the back end, this could be pretty detrimental because this is probably your big swing to fill that fifth spot.
3: So the reason I'm less down on that is that if, if Max Struess comes in and fulfills his role, he's worth that money to that specific team, right? He's not worth that money to a team going nowhere. But a team that has sort of contention, aspirations, and this... Was this gaping hole in your starting lineup was hindering you from actually from actualizing that potential? I I kind of see the logic in it, you know. If he's able to shoot it at thirty seven percent, you know, decent volume and give them the three point shooting stuff, I think that's cool. Like, I don't expect him to do anything with the ball in his hand, y'all. That's that ain't gonna happen. But if he's able to sort of take the top off of the defense. Um, in, in certain ways, and open things up for these other guys. I, I could strain and see, but I think in in a more just world, Justin, um, Dylan Brooks would have signed for like three years, forty eight, and Struess would have got the mid level, right? He would have got the basically the same deal that Gabe Vincent got. Um, but because he plays at a more premium position, he got more, you know. But you know, for whatever reason, these guys they were like, "Yo, we need it." we need it right yeah. now cuz and and just to just to say that again again I know people are like yo you got a hard on for Gabe Vincent cuz I do but like <laughs> I think Gabe Vincent was better than him in the playoffs he was he was more reliable than Max Strus um especially on offense in the playoffs so that's why
2: yeah he doesn't have the same track record shooting the ball but like he he was nails in in the playoffs and a guy you could definitely rely on I, I definitely think it's interesting. I have, I don't know, like seven or eight teams on my list of least favorite moves, and they are all happen to be like small markets. And it's just a nice reminder. It's like, oh, yeah, like the Cavs can trade for Donovan Mitchell, and all these other small markets can get in on on the big trade derby. But when it comes to free agency, like guys, guys want to play in L.A. and <laughs> the coast, and it costs you a lot to get the kind of average level upgrade that I think you need for that. And so um one of these teams I want to talk about, which is, is Indy who overpaid ostensibly for yeah. your boy, Brucey e. B two years, they 45 did. million. Good Lord guys getting star money uh, for, for basically playing just like just cutting and Nikola Lee. just feeding the ball. So shouts to him, but I have to say like in totality, I kind of loved Indy's off season. This is, this is amongst my, my favorites and the, the teams I'm most encouraged by because Brown is overpaid. Yes, but he plays an awesome role. And if he could do what he did for Halliburton, what he did for Jokic, I could definitely see that marriage working. And then getting Obi Toppin for basically nothing. Like, yep. I don't think Obi Toppin's because, getting Obi Toppin
3: because Tibbs hates his freaking guts. That's it. That's- right. Exactly. And it's not just
2: that it's because he wanted to play Julius Randall ahead of him. So you're compounding the issue in that like you have a player you don't necessarily want to be wedded to for too long, who is now blocking the progress of your young, I believe number eight draft pick. And now we have to dump him just because we can't fit in all these salaries. And we want to sign like the ninth Villanova wildcat for our team, because apparently this is a whole reunion happening in New York for some reason. So, uh,
3: yeah, I, I like it for Indy. You know, I, I don't I love, get it for New York. I love the Indy. I love indie stuff. Just like you, I loved them last year before guys they started losing guys to injury and stuff like that, but they played with incredible pace. You slot Obi Toppin into that. It's just a p- picture perfect match made in heaven. I, I think and to, to Tibbs, like to Tib's credit, I will say he's ha- like the bet, like he's most optimized as some sort of a small ball five. Um, kind of player and just defensively he just never got it done and we know how Tibbs he's a maniac about that kind of thing and so I understand the Tibbs part of it I just think in Indy he slots in with the temperament and the style of the team And, and that's why God should be excited and Indy will be a team that's appointment viewing for me on League Pass next season for that reason I love the horses that they got and then when they you know inevitably get my man Aiden up in there uh, for Miles Turner, it's gonna be they're gonna be cooking with gas,
2: right? What do you th- what do you think about the Lakers offseason? Because I have them as another winner for me.
3: Love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, obviously, I mentioned my my love of of um, Gabe Vincent. Torian Prince is somebody who I've always been enamored with because he's kind of a junkyard dog kind of guy, but will make an open shot which is kind of rare for those type of players. And so, just a perfect type of guy that you typically can slot around what LeBron and AD are doing on pick and roll. I I think some people winced at the Rui Hachimura number. I think it's... I think that number is indicative of a guy that is not quite as supernova as he was in the playoffs, but also not as ridiculously inconsistent as he was in Washington. And I think that guy is what that number is indicative of. Cause I think the play that he was in the playoffs is it's Miles Bridges territory. You know what I mean? Miles Bridges on Phoenix, I mean. Like it's, it's that ter- we're we're going towards that territory in payment. So he didn't get that he didn't get 100 million, but I you know, I, I I people who watched him for years with the Wizards would be like, if if that's all you're going off of, it's a completely ridiculously insane contract, but I think he found something last season and of course, Austin Reeves are are um Savior, Lord and savior. Um, <laughs> yeah. our Lord and Savior, Austin Reeves. Obviously, I'm happy he's back and they got him at a reasonable number, legitimately, their third best player last year. D'Angelo Russell, I mean, whatever, I guess yeah. you know, <laughs> like, you retain the you know, asset. Well, yeah, it's it's fine, and and I think the number is is what it is, and you know now you get repackaged, repurposed in some other deal if they so choose to down the line.
2: Yeah, they have options now. They could just roll back what they did last season, or at the back end of last season in the playoffs, and just be that like quality team if they find like they want to and need like a a major upgrade they now have some contracts that seem movable and you can put them together that they're not long and they're also not bad players like with hachimura and even russell's on a two-year deal and so like they have flexibility in a way that they haven't had in a long time and like worst case lebron just plays 50 games and ad plays 50 games and you just pace them out through the regular season um. So I, I expect them to be right back in the thick of the the West race and, and probably the, the title race, depending on how things shake out with Dame and whatnot. And so that brings us to our ultimate question, which I'm, I think I could forecast for you, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Are the Nuggets still the favorites based on everything we've seen thus far?
3: I think they would have to be. And it's not just because of their best players are still on the team, right? Um, Their top four is still on the team. Uh, Losing Bruce Brown sucks. Losing Jeff Green sucks. Um, Losing Thomas Bryant doesn't suck that much. But (laughs) I think we've just seen that, like, Jokic is going to figure out how to maximize what you can bring to the table in the biggest moments. And I think most importantly, like the Suns are now very top heavy in talent and they are quite talented. However, when the going gets tough in the playoffs, do you, Justin, think they will have built enough continuity and trust within what their shit will be eventually and ultimately to beat the best teams in the biggest moments? I personally don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think... Between the injuries that KD is probably going to sustain, and you know what you have to do to build this continuity, I don't see it happening. Um, but you know, I, I we could be I could be wrong about that too. You know, but I just think the Nuggets they still have their best players, and they have championship equity, continuity, biggest moments. They can trust one another and and lean on each other in a way that. These cats in the West, man, uh, I I just don't see it for them.
2: Yeah. I feel like the Suns are an eight and trade away from being at the same level as the Nuggets. I think this is helped Mm. by the fact that the Nuggets had probably a pretty bad Summer thus far, and the fact that they brought back DeAndre Jordan like within seconds is a little curious to me. And De- like getting Reggie DeAndre Jackson, DeAndre Jordan
3: got big minutes in the fun. He played real minutes in the like consequence should minutes he have? in one of those. <laughs> <games>. <laughs> is the he got a block of- shot. It was like, what in the hell is going on out there?
2: I know. I am a little like, like kind of waiting to see with Calvin Booth making some of these decisions uh, for the nuggets, because like you could look back even on the Bruce Brown contract and be like, Oh, did he really like foresee him having this major breakthrough? Or is this like an undervalued contract on the market, on the market that he just kind of gave a flyer to. But so like, I don't know. I don't love what they did, but they have had the success drafting and Christian Brown and, and Peyton Watson, people are high on him. Like, we'll see what that. And so that's why I would say the nuggets are probably still there, but the Suns for me are like, they're right there. And I think either Aiton needs to have a breakthrough under Frank Vogel that he didn't have under our friend Monty Williams. And maybe that's just like having a new voice or or whatever. Maybe just like turning the page there or actually trading him for two quality rotation players. Like I love the Miles Turner trade. I think that makes sense for both parties. But like you need someone to actually try to box out Nikola Jokic. And until I am sure of that, I'm not ready to put them On the same page, but like, I think they're right there and then probably the Lakers would be right there underneath them. So, um, it's going to be interesting, but any talk about like the Suns being like not being able to figure it out because Beal's too duplicative of Booker. Like, I think that's all bullshit. I think like, I think they're going to be good.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not buying that their talent, quote-unquote, doesn't fix. I think it's all of this this, this sort of ancillary stuff, right? Um, continuity stuff, injury luck, that kind of thing, I think is what could hold them back potentially going forward. But they they have a team that is capable of winning the championship. There's just no doubt in my mind about that.
2: Yeah. All right, let's uh wrap it there. We'll be back on Friday coming to you live after – the debut, hopefully, of our friend Victor Webanyama. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely on production. Uh, We'll see you next time.
1: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class, leading passenger space, and clean, thoughtful design, and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.
2: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite because I walk around LA every day. I like the joggers. I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little